0: Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of The European Show. Um, today we will do what we normally do, as we always do, and look back at the Champions League games that happened in midweek. To join me in doing so is Nick, as always, so welcome back, Nick.
1: Hello, hello, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm back now again. I took a, took a bit off, but now I'm, now I'm here. And I, I had the joy of watching Seb Haller play over the, over the midweek, so I am happy as ever.
0: So, the first place we will start is probably the most impressive result of the weekend. It's Chelsea beating Juventus 4-0. Actually, well, it's not the most impressive result of the weekend. That's later on. Um, But Chelsea beat Juventus 4-0 in a game where Juventus were terrible. And it could have actually been a lot more for Chelsea. Um, And if it was not for, surprisingly enough, Wojciech Szczesny goal tally mm. would have been kept down.
1: Well, I, I, I mean, respect to Chesney, he is—he's inconsistent, but he has good moments. Like he—he he can have some really questionable moments as well. Don't get me wrong, but like, so sometimes when sometimes when he when he's on his on his day, which isn't that uncommon, he yeah he he can put out performances like he did today.
0: Um, yeah. Obviously, I, I also think if we look at Chelsea, that this is the type of performance that solidifies them as a contender for the Champions League I know it's still pretty early on but if you're beating one of the biggest teams in Italy by that margin of scoreline with some of your best players not even playing, um, it's something to be scared of really Mm. and Chelsea are definitely
1: one of the favorites well okay let's calm down when we say one of the biggest teams in Italy because yes in terms of reputation the Juve are probably the biggest team in Italy at the moment however dude look at the league table man like the Juve this season has been terrible it, 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 not that not that it's an easy feat to beat them but like if we're, if we're judging off it's it's more it's worse that they lost against the Juve in the first leg than it is impressive then they beat them now in the second but uh but yeah but but however i i would still count them as one of the favorites just just not off of that win uh they, they they are the current champions league uh title holders after all and uh and they're tearing up the premier league at the moment so they certainly do have a good shot at uh, um at, at maybe a row. we'll see we'll see if that if some if a team other than real madrid manages to to do that
0: um then the other game in the group so malmö draw 1-1 with zenit st petersburg um the, the standings in these groups is confirmed, so Chelsea will finish top Juventus will finish second and Malmo will finish last with Zenit going into the Europa League now on to the other English team that played on Tuesday night, Manchester United they played Villarreal who obviously as we know in the return game at Old Trafford just lost due, due to a late Cristiano Ronaldo goal again and it was a similar kind of story. Um, Manchester United won 2-0 thanks to some late goals from Ronaldo and Jadon Sancho who did score his first goal for Manchester United um, which is quite funny really when his first goal came after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer left. Um, This was also Michael Carrick's um, only game in charge, most likely only game in charge of Manchester United. Um, I don't think there's really a lot to take away from this apart from. And um, Ronaldo's a ridiculously the, clutch,
1: player. clutch player.
0: Yeah, unless the man that's going to come in charge, who we will mention in a bit, um, does drastically change the team. I cannot see them going past the round of sixteen, no matter who they face. To be honest, because the amount of times that they have, they have struggled in every single game. They, there's been no comfortable, comfortable win for them, um, and I, I, think that this will be punished when they get to the round of sixteen, because obviously only the best really make it up into that part.
1: I, I do agree, but um, I think it is possible that uh, that if a good manager comes in to replace Ole, we could see a substantial change in um, in these. Three four months before the before the Champions League restarts in January February, because we we've seen it before Chelsea last year with uh, with with Lampard, they they weren't in the state that man you are right now, but they were pretty terrible. Like I, I love Lampard and I I, th- I think it's a bit unfortunate that he was placed in the position he was as early in his managing career, but yeah but yeah the Chelsea with him was pretty bad. Then Tuchel comes in, just smack he he with the exact same players almost exactly he wins the champions league with them basically blows all of his opponents out of the water as well so if a good enough manager was hired like man united has a pretty damn good team and so you just need someone who can who can utilize the tools that at like at disposal to and have some time because at the end of the day at the end of the day sorry 4 months is a pretty long time so i, I think it's not impossible for them to put in an at least decent performance in the champions league
0: and the man that has been rumoured heavily that, with multiple people reporting, that he's going to become their interim manager until the end of the season is Ralph Ranick, who is quite frankly the, the godfather of German football. Um, his sphere of influence is massive. Um, he's influenced the likes of Thomas Tuschel, Julian Nagelsmann, Marco Rosa. Jesse March, um, Adi Hutter, um, plenty and da- David Wagner as well. Plenty of managers who have either up and coming or are gracing English football at the moment. So his his influence is massive and they brought in or they are going to bring in a man who is known to be able to build something relatively special with a club. I know how much Nick hates them but what he's done at RB or what he did at RB Leipzig um, is very impressive and also he laid the foundations at Hoffenheim um, for, for when Julian Nagelsmann took over and made his name there
1: in, in in fairness one of the reasons i hate Leipzig is because they're so good they're so successful despite being a a complete brand sponsored the club and obviously that's basically down solely to Ralf Rangnick so I'll I'll have a few words with him when I see him.
0: So obviously, this appointment for Manchester United is is actually very smart, and it gets even smarter when, at the end of the six-month period, um, he will then have a consultancy role um, at Manchester United. So that means he will be then involved with the appointment of managers and signing and the signings of players as well, which if he's able to do what they've done at RB Leipzig is something that Manchester United should be very excited about. And I think it would also mean it, it would affect who becomes their next manager after him. As um, as you, as with the, someone that lays the foundations like Ralph Ranić, you want someone who will play a similar type of football um, or who plays a similar type of football to come in and replace him to make the transition a lot easier. So I wouldn't be surprised, despite the links of Maurizio Pochettino to Manchester United, that we're mo- more likely now to see, like a Red Bull school of thought manager, um, take over after Ranić.
1: Yeah, and then I mean appointing Pochettino would be a mistake. But I think we'll get onto Pochettino later or later in the episode, won't we, Jack?
0: Yeah, because um, I have some strong things to say about him. Um, but yeah, so obviously we're most likely to see. Um, Ranić take over it'd be interesting to see how he gets Ronaldo to start pressing because obviously we're talking about like Ralph Ranić they pressing is the main um, aspect of play so it'd be interesting to see how this Manchester United team um, adapts um, under him Uh, and also how their performances will change over time as well Um, The other game in the group saw young boys draw 3-3 with Atalanta, that does mean in the final group, um, final round of games in the group it will be Villarreal and Atalanta who are playing each other fighting it out for second spot um, which will be very interesting to see um, who comes out on top especially due to the fact that Villarreal are playing quite terribly in La Liga and they've been able to compete in the Champions League group as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. After after last season's uh, flare of glory, they've kind of died down a bit and they haven't managed to find their footing again. So yeah, they're lying very mid-table in the Liga. Uh, they have gotten a bit unlucky in the Champions League, but at the same time, they they, they they're just some disappointing results that they've put out. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I, I think that Atalanta is looking like the stronger team and, and really, honestly, like, V- Vieras' via best bet <laughs> might just be to go to Europa League and let Unai Emery work his magic yet again.
0: Um, another very interesting result is Barcelona drawing 0-0 with Benfica. A game where both teams or well, Barcelona had a goal just allowed and Benfica missed a, a wide open goal. Um, but it's a result that does mean Barcelona are actually on the verge of the Europa League.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, overall, the game wasn't... Well, it was, we saw an improvement from, from Barcelona. I wasn't here on the last episode, so I wasn't able to comment on Xavi's debut match. But, uh, but what I've seen is a, is a team that at least puts in more effort and they have more of an idea of how to play football. And th- there's a lot more sense of game and flow to the, to, yeah, to, to, to the movement of the players and of the ball uh however the team still has this habit of dropping off in the second half and just kind of losing uh concentration uh dropping their work rate uh and then their opponents managed to get a foothold and that's basically what happened in this in this game against uh, in this game against benfica uh barcelona dominated the the majority of the game the first two thirds i would say and then basically with, with intense football, moving the ball quickly, Benfica couldn't really catch up to them. And they were just mostly doing some defending. Uh, however, it seems that Barcelona still has the same defensive problems problems as always. So Benfica in possession would, would quite comfortably uh, move up the pitch and, and scare Barcelona's backline quite a bit. And then the game changed when Darwin Núñez got subbed on. Like, absolutely. If he had started, I think Benfica would have actually won because just like in the first game he was just so unbalancing and and um and explosive and he just ran circles around every single one of Barcelona's defenders he was just like sitting them on their asses the entire time uh yeah escaping escaping from his marker uh, dribbling putting out good passes taking out dangerous shots just always in the right position right time always always leaving a man behind it, it was insane so yeah with with that uh, the result favours Benfica, for sure, because now they are above uh, Barcelona in the table, I believe. Or, 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 or at least they didn't let Barcelona get too far away from them. So, if uh, Barcelona doesn't manage to, to get a point off of Bayern Munich, and Benfica wins their next match, then Benfica will go through to the round of 16. And that will knock out Barcelona, which would be very interesting.
0: And I, I do think that that turnout is quite likely Barcelona and not making it to the round of 16 because despite the fact that Bayern Munich will rest some of their players and are missing some of their players I don't think that's going to stop them because they're still a very very strong team regardless of who they field and I think um barcelona most likely will be in the europa league come february
1: yeah i think i think so as well especially considering that xavi won't really have time to change the team in like in the two weeks or three weeks since he's that he will have had to, to to work with the players he has and meanwhile Bayern munich is a machine they could literally sub in there they could put in just a bunch of reserves and they would still win almost every game so yeah, absolutely. I don't really think Barcelona have a lot of a chance, especially because it's an away game. So uh, Bayern will put in a lot of intensity, and will it will remain to be seen uh, just how much or for just how long uh, Barcelona's intensity in- intensity lasts.
0: Um, on Bayern Munich, they beat Dynamo Kiev two one in a very snobby Kiev. Um. Then obviously our favorite group. Leo beat Salzburg 1-0, Sevilla beat Wolfsburg 2-0 and what this means is it's still unknown who can make the Champions League Round of 16 as no one is confirmed to be anywhere Wolfsburg who are last can finish first still um, if results go their way and it's kind of still in the balance with this group and I think that's something we pointed out at the start of the Champions League campaign this group will be interesting, and it will, and it has proven to be interesting until the final match day. Yep, the most important
1: thing, of course, is uh, Sevilla are perfectly positioned to drop down into the Europa League and win it once again. So I would say a tactical master, ma- tactical masterpiece from Lopetegui once again.
0: Exactly. If uh, since, Se- if Sevilla end up in the Europa League, I think it's over, and Sevilla are going to win the Europa League already. Um, despite the the competition that they may face, mm-hmm. um, so now we're gonna have our break, and then we be, we will be back with the Wednesday. Welcome back from our break we now look at Wednesday's games the first one to start is the Arab money game Abu Dhabi versus Qatar or Manchester City versus PSG it saw Manchester City win 2-1 um, against PSG after going a goal down to Mbappe earlier on however Manchester City dominated this game and um, came to the conclusion that Mauricio Pochettino is probably one of if not the most overrated manager in the world and the fact that people want him to take charge of Manchester United is absurd due to the fact that he has not won anything and all he does is play nice football as obviously if we look at individuals he has probably one of the best teams in the world at his disposal um, at PSG however I understand that it's hard to gel Messi, Mbappe and Neymar together However, it's the rest of the team that struggles, and they're only able to win games in Liga just. And with a team like that, they should be thumping them and winning them quite convincingly. However, he's unable to. um, Whereas, obviously, the likes of Thomas Tuchel and Unai Emery before him were able to win games convincingly. Tuchel, obviously, being the the most success successful. P.S.G. Manager, as he took them to the Champions League final, um, but this is under Pochettino. This P.S.G. team won't get far in any sort of competition, regardless of the fact that Lionel Messi has finally scored in Liga.
1: My question to you, Jack, is: Who ever at any point in human history rated Mauricio Pochettino? I don't think anyone ever considered him like above a good manager, because he—I I, I think he's all right like I don't think anyone ever looked at, at Pochettino's like wow yeah this guy is like amazing he's like a world class manager because other than his uh run to the uh, to the Champions League final and like that one season in which Tottenham almost not really kind of won the Premier League uh he's just kind of not really been doing much and he's had some good squads like some of some of some of his, uh, his uh, uh, during some of his time at Tottenham he had a, just like genuinely great players and he kind of utilizes them well, but not to their full potential. And now, and now, same at PSG, he he, he does alright with the players he has. But come on, man! When you have Messi and Bappe and 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 Neymar, like you can do so much more. It, it's a bit hard to criticize him for losing against Manchester City, one of the best teams in Europe. But at the same time, like it's not it's not the first time we've seen a pretty disappointing result or a, or a drab football. From PSG this season, so I I do agree with you in in, in that sense.
0: We can go further back in the Champions League because obviously they drew with Club Brugge. Yeah. Um. Early on yeah. in the round. Um,
1: yeah, and also in League One, like they win, but they kind of get dragged across the finish line with just very close wins. Nothing is convincing, as in as in previous seasons where they're just rocket like five goals, like past smaller teams and like comfortably two three goal leads against against some other closer rivals. Now it's even against the. Uh, the medium table teams—they need some some late goals to to get three points. The, it is important to know that they are top of the league by a lot. But 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 as I've been saying, like they haven't been winning Yeah, regardless, they're they they're not.
0: Yeah, they're, they're not convincing at yeah, all. Yeah,
1: they're not convincing at all. It's it's drab. They, they, they just just make it through, and it's not what you'd expect from a team that on, on paper blows its opponents out of the out of the freaking water, man.
0: Exactly, they have the best player ever, they've got one of the best young players in the world. They've got Neymar, they've got one of the best young right-backs in the world. They've got
1: uh, they one of the top three, maybe top five goalkeepers in the world. And also on top of that, Kellen Navas, who is like top ten, maybe top fifteen.
0: They have one of the best young left-backs, or up-and-coming left-backs in the world. They have one, formerly one of the best defenders in the world, in Ramos as well, although he has been injured. Um, that will be interesting to see if they look slightly more convincing where Ramos is in charge but I doubt, or not in charge but um, within the team um, but obviously I think you're getting at the point that we're trying to prove they are heavily underperforming Al- although they are as we said top of league. 1 that's the bare minimum for PSG when you're pumping that much money into the team um, they're heavily underperforming, and if they want to win the Champions League, Maurizio Pochettino is not the man to, to help them, or get them de- to their goal. Yes, he has made it to the final before, but he does not have a winner's mentality. He has won nothing. He's won the Super Cup, and that is it.
1: Yeah, no, this is certainly not like like if you want to win trophies, Mauricio Pochettino is the opposite of what you look for. Like like genuinely you want someone like Antonio Conte like a serial winner sometimes someone who lands and right off the bat just shoots you right to the top of, of wherever you're trying to go really
0: yeah like there's, there's nothing really more to say uh, about PSG they're they're not really go- I, 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 they're not going to win the Champions League um, ironically enough you could probably say that if Thomas Tuchel was in charge here he could probably maybe get a Bella, um more out of This PSG team than Pochettino can because oh
1: yeah for sure yeah (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. because obviously Pochettino he's a former PSG player which has to be taken into consideration but um, he's a bad Thomas Tuchel
1: is a he's
0: not bad he's he's a bad man manager Thomas Tuchel is more the type of person not to take any shit Um, and will and would have demanded as he did in the past stuff out of Neymar and Mbappe and would have even demanded stuff out of Messi. Uh, as as you can see with the Chelsea team, it doesn't matter how much money is spent um, because he inherited the team from Frank Lampard, arguably they were not that really they were quite a dif- dysfunctional team and he turned them into Champions League winners. So it's clearly not his issue and it's something within PSG itself, but if he was if Thomas Tuchel was still in charge, I think he would be doing a lot better, um, and he would have looked more like the type of person, or more the type of person, to take them to a Champions League. The other game in that group finished five nil to RB Leipzig. Um, Christopher Nkunku once again um, showing or having a great season, uh, showing why he is standout player for RB Leipzig as and also is now on seven goals in the Champions League, which is putting third in the tally behind Lewandowski and Sebastian Haller. We'll get to
1: Seb Haller later.
0: Yeah, Arguably on to one of the most shocking results of the night. Um, sporting Lis- or Sporting what 3, Dortmund 1. Um, Dortmund are in the Europa League and are frankly crashed. Crashed and burned out of the Champions League. They have been um, terrible under Marco Rosa, and I think it kind of. Um, it this is more of like an issue with the team. Um, yes, because obviously, if we look at Marco Rosa, he made it. He qualified for the round of sixteen against with Borussia Mönchengladbach, who arguably oh a worse a team than Dortmund as much as it, as it pains me to say that and in arguably or in a harder group as well um, this should have been a breeze for Dortmund however now that was not the case and yes you can say oh they're without Haaland Haaland's not going to be there forever and you have to kind of start learning to live without him and if if Dortmund want to convince Haaland to stay that is not what they should be doing Getting beaten by, albeit the champions of Portugal last year, but normally the third best team in Portugal, um, it's just terrible from Dortmund. And I do think, yes, they you could consider them favourites for the Europa League now. But regardless of that, they shouldn't be doing.
1: That. Yeah, and and as you said, uh, they need to l- to learn to play without Haaland. and and their dependency on him was has been shown in these last few weeks. Oh, because Haaland has been injured, and well, we we just we just saw it. They got completely smacked by, by by Sporting Lisbon, uh, and th- they've just been struggling overall with with most of their games. They don't have the the send it up and and he will score player that they usually do.
0: Obviously, um, we slandered him. We slandered him in the past. Um, Daniel Mellon did score his first goal <laughs> at the weekend against Stuttgart however this shows that he is not the suitable person that he should be to take um to really lead the Dortmund line um if r- regardless of whether Haaland is in charge or not what they should really be doing Dortmund is trying to replace the type of service that Jadon Sancho offered to Haaland they need they need that person who is the standout second best player and they can rely on him when Haaland isn't there. Because obviously when Sancho was on form um, and Haaland wasn't there, you could Dortmund could get away with it because Sancho was the type of player to um, to provide the, the goals and assists that Dortmund needed. However, w- without him, they're kind of lost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not not only was he was he someone who carried when Haaland wasn't there, but he was someone who who highlighted Haaland's best attributes because he's such a because Sancho is such a good creator and such a just dynamic player who who I mean goes down the wing and 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 then suddenly oh he's so, he's one place and he's somewhere the next or he crosses the ball in uh, or he puts in like a nice threaded pass and uh, well yeah they, they don't have that exact same kind of like youth and speed and explosiveness on the wing anymore
0: yeah and obviously they, they do have the likes of uh, Giorena, and um, Yusuf and Makoko however um, that's not enough and they do need um, the next big thing to try and um, offer um, the spark um, that they need um, obviously um, obviously the other game in that group saw Ajax beat Besiktas 2-1 um, with Andre and Nana coming back into the team after his long absence. Suspension, um, and obviously we can have, is this Ajax team better than the Ajax team that made the semi-finals in, um, in 2019?
1: It would be ambitious to call something like that this early, uh, especially when in the domestic league they uh, are—I don't know—they're inconsistent. Sometimes they—they they just blow teams out of the water five 0 Sometimes they just can't score goals. It's extremely strange. But uh, in the Champions League, they're like unbelievable. They're absolutely unstoppable. No matter what anyone tries, they can't bring down Ajax. Um, so I think I'll—I'll I'll give you a more definitive answer uh, in the in the in the round of sixteen games whether they qualify or not. And it is important to note that they haven't faced a, a big challenger like they did back then. Because keep in mind that that old Ajax uh, pulled out good results against Bayern Munich, uh, against Juventus, against Real Madrid, like the biggest teams on the continent. Uh, while so far they've, they've faced some, some decent sides. Um, Besiktas, Sporting and Dortmund are all tough, but none of them are of that level yet. So I think that the definitive answer comes with their with their first big game. But in terms of what you can see on the pitch so far, I would say that they play some extremely attractive football. They have um they have something quite important which they didn't have before, which is a number nine because Tadic is more of a of a false nine, kind of drops back and creates a lot. Meanwhile, Seb Haller, like you send him the ball, and he scores. And speaking of 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 him and him and scoring, he is like ridiculous. He has nine goals so far in five go in five games of the Champions League. He is like whether he starts on the bench or he starts on the pitch like he's actually unstoppable like what well, what a shame that they forgot to register him for European competitions last season because clearly they missed out on a great great player that they really needed for the team but yeah other than him well we've talked about Anthony on the podcast before in fact a few weeks ago um, then as as always they have some of the same players as before not many obviously but Mizraoui is always a solid solid uh, right back, and I I loved him back in uh, in the few seasons ago, and he's still good now. Gravenberg is ridiculously good, like he's he was injured last season, so we didn't really see much of what he was capable of. But uh, but now that he's back and rolling, he is genuinely one of the best like back lying midfielders in Europe. Um, then Neres is always, is quite good. Another another star from that old season, along with Tagliafico, he's still good. And then their their new back back two, which is Lisandro Martinez and Perchers, has been has been pretty solid. I don't think I would compare either of them to to Daily Blind and De just quite yet, but they certainly do the job quite well. And then with Berghausen and and Haller and and everyone else up top, they they, they just score goals. And Anthony obviously they just score goals and don't stop scoring goals, and it's crazy. So yeah, I would say that. Um, they are definitely comparable they're definitely comparable and I think that if they can play as well as they do now against top teams then they would be better than 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 the Ajax from, from 2019
0: um, on to the next group Um, Atletico Madrid lost 1-0 um, to AC Milan and have actually put their hopes of qualifying for the round of 16 at stake as they've kind of given hope to AC Milan now and have also and have also ele- allowed porto or given porto the advantage despite the fact that they lost their game against liverpool
1: yep absolutely atleti in the in the champions league this season have been really incon uh, inconvin- unconvincing i mean sorry Atleti. The, yeah absolutely atleti in the champions league have been really quite unconvincing this season they had a few good games against well namely the ones against liverpool which is the only real games in which they they played clearly quite well but it just so happens that Liverpool also played quite well, and it also so happens that uh, that luck didn't go their way, and they ended up losing the well the the, the their best two performances, and in in the two two games against Milan, uh, they, they've played quite both of them really quite terribly. And speaking of luck, they got quite lucky in the first one to win it. Um, then uh, then yeah, in the second one they they didn't have that, and they just. It, it it wasn't a complete AC Milan domination like in the first game but it certainly was a. there was clearly one team that was playing better than the other Atleti just couldn't I mean they, they couldn't really find someone in the box when they were in possession and in defense like oh my days Atleti's defense is so leaky just no one tracks no, no one tracks markers no, no no one knows where the attackers are just every single player He's kind of running around headless. There's spaces left and right. And and aerial domination, which is one of the biggest things that Aditi used to control, is just, it's all gone. It, I, I don't know, I don't understand how it's like possibly happened. But now Aditi just has a bad defense. And it's really strange to, to feel nervous and being like, wow, would Aditi concede this game? Or like, wow, oh my God, I'm so scared of like this next attack. What could happen? It's the exact opposite of what I used to like see when I would watch Aditi so i mean this is something that needs to be solved in the winter transfer window because it's costing Atleti points in the in europe and also in the domestic league but yeah, the meanwhile for for ac milan uh they, they were they were quite good throughout especially tonali put out a really great performance he he just dominated the midfield and uh, and and put it put in a good shift creating play and creating danger moving the ball upwards and, and yeah, it, I think he was he was my standout player.
0: Obviously, for the for Milan, for the Milan goal, um, there is a bit of like a, a small fairy tale story with um, the person scoring being thirty years old. Um, it's being his first goal for Milan, and only a few years ago he was not even a professional footballer. Um, so it is nice that he scored the goal that potentially kept Milan in quali- in contention for Champions League qualification. Um, the other game saw Liverpool beat Porto 2-0, um, as we mentioned last place for the round of 16 is yet to be decided. Um, then in the final group, Real Madrid beat Sheriff 3-0 and Inter Milan beat Shakhtar 2-0. What's interesting about this is Sheriff have qualified for the Europa League, um, which a club of their size is quite profound especially with who they've been matched up against um, so it's definitely um, they've done well obviously they, they did beat Real Madrid um, but it, but it is good to see that they have been rewarded for their effort:
1: yeah absolutely absolutely um, no, no one will forget their first impression on on Europe beating Real Madrid at home Unfortunate that they weren't able to keep up their their good streak, but yeah, the, yeah, at least they left a good impression on everyone.
0: Um. So now we are going to have our goal song break, and then we'll be back with the rest of the fixtures from this or for for this weekend. Welcome back from our goal song break. You just heard the Cologne gold song, um, only because they're not going to hear it themselves this weekend. So, Nick, what'd you rate it?
1: So, it's a pretty great goal song. Uh, it's just, it's good. It's fun. A very German, traditional. Seven out of ten. I like it.
0: Solid zero. <laughs> um. So. Ne- Now we will start with the Bundesliga. Mainly not because of what has happened on the pitch; it's more what's happening off the pitch. So obviously, last last time we we had this an episode, we spoke about um, the COVID situation at Bayern Munich and Marcus Amfang at Werder Bremen. Um, Quickly on Amfang, he is no longer the Werder Bremen manager, as he kind of like he was either going to be sacked, but he, he resigned. Um, over the Covid certificate um, debacle um, on to Bayern Munich um, the day after we recorded our episode it came out that and before the Augsburg game as well it came out that Bayern Munich um, their other four players who weren't vaccinated were Jamal Musiala, Serge Gnabry Mikael Cuisance, and Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting, on top of Joshua Kimmich Um There then became talks between the unvaccinated and the board members of Bayern saying, if you don't get vaccinated, we will withhold your pay, which is actually legally allowed in in Bavaria due to change in law on the 1st of November. Um, So that begun certain players to start thinking about getting vaccinated. And this saw Jamal Musiala and Serge Ganabi both receive um, their first jabs. Um, However... The story then develops when um, yesterday, on the day we were recording this, it was announced that Joshua Kimmich has tested positive for COVID. And as he is not vaccinated, it means he must isolate for two weeks, which means he will miss. The game against Bielefeld at the weekend, but most importantly, the game against Borussia Dortmund next weekend, as well as the game against Bayern Munich. Um, obviously, without Kimmich, Bayern are a completely different team as we saw last weekend as they lost to Augsburg 2-1 um, in a shock manner and it's, it's becoming an occurrence if Kimmich isn't in the team or if Kimmich is affected it affects Bayern as we saw with the Augsburg game and the Bristol-Minister Club game in the Pokal um, so I do think Bayern will beat Bielefeld this weekend um, however it's when they play Dortmund um, if Dortmund obviously pick up the form this Covid situation and lack of Kimmich could become a major issue um, for Bayern as due to how, much, how key of a player he is and because of the results of the weekend it did see Dortmund cut the gap until one point point. Um, and if this persists this is going to heavily damp Bayern's mentality and obviously as we know that it's quite key if you are going to challenge for the title um, regardless of the fact that Bayern have won the Bundesliga a record amount of times um, this is going to heavily affect them and as it already has and this will be a persistent issue within the team and and, and, and will create a, a much more interesting title race because of this um, the final thing in the Covid news is Urzebeke a team in the Zweite Bundesliga proposed to the DFL to suspend the Bundesliga until December the Bundesliga and the fight Bundesliga until December because of the rising cases in COVID as seen with Au by Munich as well as well as Sandhausen however the DFL proceeded to reject their proposal so the games in the Bundesliga (laughs) this weekend um, the biggest one by far is the Rhineland derby between Breschmann and and Cologne Um, I do think this is going to be one of the more interesting derbies in a while mainly due to to the fact that Cologne are not a terrible team anymore Um, so it will be quite interesting but due to the fact that Borussia Mönchengladbach are finally hitting form they will mostly come out on top Um, Borussia Dortmund have another tough challenge as they face Wolfsburg who have as we've mentioned seen a revival under Florian Kohfeldt Bayern Munich play Bielefeld, as mentioned and RB Leipzig play Bayer Leverkusen as well um, on to La Liga.
1: Yeah, well, there's one standout game, but uh, but to keep you all hooked, I'll come back to it at the end. First, we can go through through the pretty routine ones. Um, Cadiz versus Atleti Ad- is the first one. Uh, there's not much to say other than Atleti are clear favourites. They have been struggling. Uh, and that is Atleti, obviously. to to pull through good results but Cadiz is one of the last teams in the table and even though the game is at home for them um, in in terms of quality uh, Adeti just completely gaps them so I think uh, chances are Adeti loses this because that's the way Aditi likes to play Um, then Villarreal versus Barcelona Uh, as we mentioned before Villarreal is not the team that they were last year they're still quite solid and difficult to get behind though um so barcelona may struggle especially since they're still kind of finding their feet again after um after coman's very detrimental era but uh but i think that they will at least get one point out of this game uh, which is still quite tough especially cuz once again Villarreal is playing at home uh but i think it's perfectly possible for barcelona to win this one especially if they if they play with uh three academy midfielders because that's really what's been working out the best for them then, um, then Real Sociedad play against Español. Uh, once again, another away game for one of the big teams. Uh, Español are 11th as well, mid-table. So they, in theory, uh, won't put up a huge challenge against Sociedad. But uh, but realistically speaking, I think that they can make their lives a little bit difficult because uh, um, Cornell, which is um, Real Sociedad Stadium, is, is a really difficult game to win at. it is a really difficult stadium to win away at uh, and especially because that are beginning to slow down the results kind of haven't caught up to it yet but uh but as but as I mentioned earlier uh in the earlier in the podcast in the season eventually they they will they, they will hit a point where they can't really keep up their, their great streak and I think they may just be starting to to reach it you can see it on the pitch hopefully I'm wrong um, but I think this is the game where well we'll see just what um rest of that are made out of because they're in this streak of just pumping out winning results. Um, but but once something brings them down, they're kind of we're just gonna collapse. So that's my prediction. So yeah, they just need to get this really big hurdle out of the way. Then then the good game the one I, the one I had to get to uh, is is Sevilla versus uh, Real Madrid. Um. well that being within fuck then the big game that I mentioned earlier is well one of the biggest we'll see all year really uh, Real Madrid versus Sevilla in Madrid it's going to be ridiculously good uh, there's only two points separating the two teams the first being Real Madrid and third being Sevilla uh, it's it's a game that, that has a history of, of always uh, lighting up the stage mm, I, my prediction is Real Madrid are, are going to win because they're just really really strong right now and and sevilla um, while they're good um, they sometimes don't turn up to games as strong as they can so they will certainly have to do that if they want a chance at winning but uh but this game is really just going to bring out some really great football from both teams because they both do play really really attractive uh, styles of this uh, of football really so yeah, this is where we're going to absolutely see the best action this weekend without a shadow of a doubt
0: um, In Italy. Juventus play Atalanta, and obviously we see the unstoppable force in Atalanta play the movable object in Juventus. Um, it'd be interesting to see how this pans out, as obviously we bu- we t- we mentioned both the Champions League games and the difference they had. Um, Inter Milan play Venezia, Milan plays the Swallow, Roma play Torino, and Napoli play Lazio. Who will Napoli will be without Victor um, Osimen, as he suffered a an injury against Inter Milan last weekend, so we'll see him out of um, the team for a couple of months. Um, in Liga, PSG play Saint Etienne, Lyon play Montpellier, and Marseille play Troyes. Um So that is it for this week. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, please like us, follow us, subscribe, whatever, and yeah, we will be back. For Um, next week Um, so yeah thank you for listening
1: yeah thank you very much we'll see you we'll see you later after the weekend